Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. So excited to be in installment number two of It's Time. And I love the subtitle because together we are overcoming discouragement. Listen, I know, I understand. We've been cooped up for a little while. Here in Tennessee, on Monday, our governor has now said that he's going to reinstate uh, the restaurants and the businesses to about 50% capacity. That's good news for Tennessee. And so we're seeing progress on the horizon. But we've been cooped up for a while, and I get that. So my job in this teaching session is to help you regain your courage. I really want you to understand, this is where the title came from. You know, the enemy goes, okay, I know that you beat us, uh, beat me that time. And, 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 and maybe, maybe, just maybe you might beat me up here this time. But in the, right now, the time you're in, you're not going to beat me now. No, 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 no. Listen to me closely. That time, way out here in the future, sure, we're going to win that. But this time and every time. And I want you to understand that. That's my goal. That's my job. I'm going to lift your spirits today in the name of Jesus. I remember way back when, about 17 years ago, when we began this church, I remember, as you know, you know the story. We started it out with 18 people. We did not know anybody. Uh, Greg and Wally, we did not know a soul. And so we started this thing from scratch. 18 people didn't know anybody. And we had all kinds of people. We started with 18, but there were probably 10 or 12 more people that said, okay, pastor, we're going to help you start this church. We're going to help you launch this thing. We're in it. You can count on us for sure. And just as we were beginning to launch the church about 17 years ago, about 12 people and all at once, just a phone call, it came one day after the next day, after the next day, after the next day, person after person was telling us, uh, Pastor, I'm sorry, we're not going to. I know we told you that we were going to help you start this church, and we were counting on these people. But they said, no, we're, we're, we're not going to do this. We're just don't, you know, we're not going to do it. We're going to back out. And I'm going to tell you right now, I remember that day when we got news after news after news from person after person after person that people were backing out from helping us to begin a church. And, and it was really a launch of faith. Again, we are moving from Knoxville to here. We knew nobody. People were selling their houses and making tremendous sacrifices and counting on all of these other people that really told us that God said, you know, man, I, if, I, if, I, if I hear those words, God said it one more time. You know, well, God said, man, well, God changed his mind every other day. God told me, Pastor, we were supposed to come and help you start the church. Well, we're counting on them because God said. 
And all of a sudden, they begin to back out one after another after another. And I'm going to tell you, in the natural, it was very discouraging. And I remember feeling discouragement begin to climb up my front leg. And I remember it tried to get in my heart and in my soul. And I remember feeling that, man, here we're making all this sacrifice and all of these people are backing out at the very last minute and we're absolutely counting on them. We, had, we knew nobody had, we had no uh, uh, security of any kind of funds whatsoever and we were really making a step of faith. So I remember that discouragement beginning to crawl up my hind leg and I just decided, you know what, I am not going to allow this to discourage me. This will date me a little bit. But I remember taking a cassette tape, and I put it in my Walkman. You remember anybody out there in digital land remember a Walkman? Now listen, you millennials, I I know you have no idea what I'm even talking about. Ben Ben and Melissa Pierce, who are pastors watching from Florida, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. So I remember I got my Walkman out, I had put my little headphones on, and I put in a teaching tape of someone that was going to encourage me. Someone that was going to teach me the Word of God like I'm teaching you. Because even pastors need to be encouraged every once in a while. So I remember I said, okay, I'm going to get my Walkman out and put in some encouraging teaching. And I'm going to go take a jog. And I remember that jog. I jogged extra hard that day and extra long. And I wanted to listen to the whole tape. It was about 90 minutes. And in a Walkman, you got to pull it out and flip it over. I know, I know. It's a dinosaur. I know. I I get it. I'm a dinosaur. And I remember it was about a 90-minute jog. And by the time I got back, that preacher preached a really good message to me. And I was so fired up and so encouraged. There was no devil in hell that was going to stop us from starting Joy Church. And I thank God 2,300 and growing later that I did not allow discouragement to get the best of me. May I challenge you, if you'll do the things that I'm going to teach you today, discouragement will crawl right back down your leg and right back to the devil where it belongs. Let me go ahead and review. Let me get you caught up today. We began to talk to you about 11 dynamics of discouragement. We began to explore it a little bit. We'll review, and then we'll jump into new territory. I think this is really going to encourage so many people today. Uh, Let's jump into our key verse Uh, Numbers 21 and verse 4 and 5, we started that out this last time. Numbers 21, 4 and 5. I love these verses. Check it out. And when they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food, no water. And we said last time, no toilet paper. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. They began to get discouraged. They'd come out of Egypt and they began to get discouraged because of the way. We begin to share with you 11 different thoughts about discouragement based on a couple of those verses. Remember number one, and it really is true. Check it out. Discouragement can come because of the way, the why, and the wait. Come on, say it out loud with me. The way, the why, and the wait. You know how it is. You know, you think, well, the way is going to be really easy and it's not going to take all that long. You know, okay, maybe, maybe we'll be on lockdown for a couple of days. 
And now a couple of days have turned into six weeks, and all of a sudden, man, the way is a whole lot longer than I thought it was going to be. I remember back in 1993, and again, some of you weren't even born at that time, but 1993, I remember when we started World Changers Bible Institute. And I remember we had, the, my wife and I, we had these, uh, these, uh, these thoughts of grandeur and we're going to open up our Bible Institute and train future pastors from all over the country and we're going to open this thing up and literally hundreds of people are going to flock into our Bible Institute. First year, seven. Seven Bible school students. Seven. And our tuition was really not that good either. Seven, and then we were so excited because the next year we more than doubled to 19. 19. We had these thoughts of grandeur where hundreds of people were going to just come in and flock into our Bible Institute, and man, it went from seven to 19. I think the third year was in the 20s. The way was a whole lot longer than I thought it was going to be. But rather than just simply just being discouraged and looking at the 7 and the 19 and the 20-something, I looked at the progress. At least we're making progress. And then we just begin to charge huge tuition so that we could stay afloat as a ministry. Of course, I'm kidding. But I really began to look at the progress. Sometimes the way can seem a whole lot longer than you thought. The why, sometimes you don't have all the answers. And the wait man, I just thought this was going to be over quicker. And if you're not cautious, it can really discourage you. Remember this life point from the last time, and it really is powerful and really is true. There's two kinds of people in times of crisis. Number one, those who ask, how long will this last? And then number two, those who ask, how can I get better while this lasts? I decided to be through this period of time the second person. I've been spending so much time in the Word. And I know people, people are so funny. They think now, okay, Pastor, what are you doing now? That you, I mean, you're hardly coming in. You just come in on Saturday. You, you got the, uh, uh, on Sunday. And, you, you know, you got the thing on Wednesday. Is that, oh, my goodness, this has been one of the most productive, fruitful times in the ministry's life. If you, had only, if you only knew how much we were doing behind the scenes, if you only knew how hard our staff was working, and I'm so thankful for our staff. They're some of the finest people in the world. They don't amen, but they're some of the finest people in the world. And I want you to know they're phenomenal. We're working really hard to serve you the Word of God. And what a privilege it is to give our life for the gospel. What a privilege and what an honor that it is. I've discovered in, in crisis... Really, really, you can see a whole lot about people. In crisis, character is revealed, not created. In crisis, you can find out who the player is and who the pretender is. In crisis, I've watched people. I've watched people step up, and I've watched people step back. And sometimes I've been a little bit surprised and a little bit disappointed at who's stepping back. But you can really discover who you are in a crisis. Greg and Wally Smith, the two wonderful people that you saw helping my wife in praise, I've watched them step up and say, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I be a part? They're heroes. They're champions. They're making a difference for the Lord. And I want you to know I determined to be that last person. No matter how long this lasts, I'm going to keep getting better. Well, it does. Even though we've been very busy, very fruitful, very productive, I've learned a number of things. 
I've really buried myself in the Word of God, and it's really been such a blessing to me. I'm having a personal revival of the Bible. I'm getting all of these messages, uh, and God is just downloading them in my heart. I'm just determined to be a better believer, a better pastor, a better husband to my wife. Today, I spent a whole lot of time flirting with her. I was kissing her on the cheek. I had a little bit of my uh, uh, little scruff there because we've been, you know, I, I just have to shave for when I do the live streams, you know, so I was really bothering her with that. I was getting into her neck and trying to kiss her, and, and she was like, mm, mm, you know, been, and the more she struggled and the more she went, they were pulled away from me, the, you know, the more I got after her. I'm going to be a better husband. That's why I shaved, baby. That's why I shaved. I want to be a better dad to my teenage son. And I'm determined to grow and become more Christ-like, and I'm determined to use this time. I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and thank God, but I'm determined to get better while this is lasting. How about you? Second thing we begin to talk to you about, number two, and this really is true, discouragement can come through comparison. Remember we talked to you about three different thoughts about that, to how we can really not compare ourselves with folks, the things that we need to focus on. Remember that? Number one, check it out. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. Yeah, man, I wish we could gather together. And, and, and right now, uh, we're, we can't, but we will. But in the meantime, at least I've got some one-dimensional people here in the audience, 350 pictures of you wonderful people. I love that. I'm preaching to one-dimensional people. And I'm starting to think my staff are the same way. I know, I'm just saying. Second thing, don't focus on how far you need to go. Fo focus on how far you've come. Hey, man, we're one day closer from freedom. At number three, check it out. Never let tomorrow's blessings rob you of today's joy. I watch so many people, they're so focused on tomorrow's blessing that they don't have joy today. I determined to be thankful for what I have. Thankful. I got up today, I was just thanking God for my staff. I got up today and I was thanking God for my wife. I got up today and I was thanking God for my son. I've got a wonderful relationship with all of them. I thank God for the AV team. They're just doing a phenomenal job. Come on, right at home, clap for them. They're a blessing. They've just been doing so many wonderful things to get you this live stream. We've got two wonderful folks we're looking at through the camera doing a phenomenal job. They're really having a focus because their eyes are on one of the ugliest pastors in all of the Nashville area. That's not easy to focus on. Third thing we begin to talk to you about, number three, is discouragement comes by forcing fruit before it's time. Remember we talked to you from Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, don't become weary in well-doing because you'll reap in due season if you don't quit. Remember, you remember that word, don't become weary in well-doing, you'll reap in due season. The Greek word do is dios, and the word season is kurios, and it literally means in God's special opportune time. There is coming a time when we will experience harvest, but don't become weary in well-doing. You've got to learn how to make right decisions in the midst of negative circumstances. The fourth thing that we begin to talk to you about, ladies and gentlemen, over the last weekend, discouragement produces a loss of vision. Listen to me very closely. You begin to get discouraged, maybe because you've had a few losses in your life, then all of a sudden just vision goes out the window. 
You ever, you ever experienced that where maybe you've you experienced some personal losses in your life, some, some difficult times, and you feel like, man, I, I'm losing here, and I'm losing here, and I'm losing here. And if you've never experienced that, these guys sure have. Check it out. Once upon a time in a country not so far away, there lived a dictator. And this dictator was about to execute three football fans, an Ohio State fan, another Ohio State fan, and a Michigan fan. I mean, Michigan fan. The dictator set the firing squad toward the first Ohio State fan. Ready, Hey. The first Ohio State fan had an idea. Wait, tornado! The dictator hid in terror, and the Ohio State fan escaped. The dictator, now angrier than before, set the sights of the firing squad toward the second Ohio State fan, who also had an idea. Ready, hey. Earthquake! The dictator screamed in terror, and the Ohio State fan escaped. Now the dictator, almost defeated, lined up the firing squad at his last prisoner, the Michigan fan. The Michigan fan, seeing how the Ohio State fans escaped, thought to do the same. As the dictator commanded, Ready, aim, he shouted, Fire! <laughs> that was for you, Brandon Matthias, out there in digital land. That was for you. People sometimes they just get used to losing. Remember this life point, and I don't want you to ever forget it. It's pretty simple. I love it, but it's simple. If you don't know where you're going, you could end up somewhere else. The next thing that we begin to share with you to overcome discouragement, number five, discouragement produces a loss of enthusiasm. I can tell again by my staff that's already happening. Uh, let me give you the life point that we talked about last time. Uh, when you are discouraged, you dread the day. When you're encouraged, you desire the day. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, please, we're going to get encouragement back in you so that you begin to desire the day. I heard someone describe it the other day because they've been cooped up for about six weeks. They're calling every day Blur's Day. They don't know what it is. It's just Blur's Day. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, whatever day it is, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The sixth thing that we begin to talk to you about, number six, is discouragement really does produce isolation. And the Bible says in Proverbs 18 and verse 1, a man or a woman who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And I realize that we're in times of social distancing. I certainly understand that. But I do want you to know there are ways that we must and should connect during this time. I watch a whole lot of creativity and a whole lot of imagination when it comes to the Joy Church people. They really are connecting in so many different ways. One great new way that we're doing is that connect and zooming into joy on Wednesday. Our pre-service Zoom connection. Come on, be a part of that. You don't want to isolate yourself now. That catches us up to date. Let's go for new territory. Let's grow together in the things of God. Here we go, number seven, as we're discovering what discouragement is all about. Discouragement leads to paralysis. Now, I do want to turn to this verse, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, and let's take a look here, please, at verse 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? 
If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Listen to me very closely. Notice what these people are doing. They're faltering between two opinions. And when you are discouraged, it really can provide a spiritual paralysis in your life. James chapter 1 and verse 8 describes it in a different way. The Bible says, a two-souled, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, that word double-minded is the Greek word daisukos, and it literally means two-souled. A two-souled man or woman is unstable in all of his ways. That word, that literally that word being unstable, that two-souled man is really talking about a person that's looking at the answer and looking at the problem, looking at the answer and looking at the media, looking at the answer and immersing themselves in the media, looking at the answer, and they become really discouraged and it provides a real paralysis. They falter between two opinions and they really become just like that squirrel when you're driving home and he's in the middle of the road and, and he can't make up his mind, which way do I go? And, you know, he goes over this way and he goes over that way and I can't do too much work here because of the cameraman. They won't be able to, we don't want to give them vertigo. And then you know what happens. And they get per paralyzed. They're just stuck like that and boom, you run over them. That's exactly what discouragement will do. It provides a real paralysis in our life. And remember this life point, it really is true. Check it out. Discouragement leads to the paralysis of analysis. You begin to question your own judgment. You begin to say, well, now, I know I've really thought this through and I know I've really prayed about it, but you begin to really second guess your own judgment, particularly in times like this. And I'm going to tell you right now, when we're experiencing fear and fighting off fear, when you are fearful, you are controlled. Whoever can make you fearful or whatever can make you fearful will control you and it will begin to paralyze you. And you find yourself in that paralysis of analysis. I discovered a long time ago, but particularly during crisis, during these times, listen, I've got to sometimes make some decisions the best I can. I've prayed about it. Uh, things are happening on the fly, and we're doing the very best we can to make great decisions to, before God and to serve you. But every once in a while in a crisis, you're going to make a false start or two. You're, you're not going to make the right decision. But can I tell you something? If you are a man or woman of God and you have integrity, you will float back to the top. You will float back to the top. I watch so many people, they are so afraid of making a wrong decision that they never make a decision at all. It is really the paralysis of analysis. The eighth thing that you need to know about discouragement, check it out, is discouragement will always show up in your conversation. Listen to me. If you get discouraged, it's going to come out of your mouth. You, you know that's true. That happened there with the children of Israel in Numbers 21, 4, and 5. They were discouraged, and they began to complain about leadership. Remember this life point. It really hits home what I'm trying to say. Discouragement releases negativism, criticism, and cynicism. And then you become like the old uh, hee-haw guy. And I know you millennials have no idea what I'm talking about, but you remember that old song, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark, depression. You, anybody out there in digital land remember that song? 
That's an old song, but here in Nashville, man, that sounds like a hit. I do want you to know, if you're discouraged, here comes criticism, negativism, cynicism. Next thing that we need to understand about discouragement is discouragement produces a loss of motivation and inspiration. Boy, is that true. People who are discouraged, man, they, they just, they're just not motivated. They, they have no more inspiration. And I'm here uh, live streaming with you to really encourage you, to get you motivated once again. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, one of my favorite verses, cast not away therefore your confidence because it has great recompense of reward. Don't cast away your confidence. It has great recompense. That Greek word recompense is a Greek word of mistas podia. And literally it means money or reward with feet. It's like uh, here comes a reward moving towards my lovely wife. And I want you to know, if she gets discouraged and casts away her confidence, then all of a sudden, money with feet just stops. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. Boy, is that true? Look at, look, at, look at our next thought here. I want you to know, check out this light point. This is huge. If your get up and go has gotten up and left, then you are discouraged. You need to get up and get your get up and go back. Tenth thing that we need to understand about discouragement, and we're going to help you overcome it here in just a moment. Number ten, discouragement really does produce cowardice. Let me give you three simple thoughts on that. And if you don't get anything out of today's live stream, get this. Get this concept. Get this first principle. It's worth coming for right here. Check it out. Number one, I love this. Your God is only as big as the thing it takes to discourage you. Your God is only as big as the thing that it takes to discourage you. And I don't mean that uh, as a source of condemnation or be unkind to you, but I'm really challenging you. Listen to me very closely. If COVID-19 has you discouraged, then it's bigger than your God. And again, I don't mean that mean, I don't mean that as some unkind thing, but I want you to know your God is bigger than any virus. And listen, I have nothing but, if you've lost your job, I've got nothing but compassion for you. We are doing things behind the scenes to help out so many people. You have no idea how many people we're helping. So I'm not just up here preaching. We are helping in very tangible ways every single week in a very extensive way. So please don't think these words trite. But I, and I have nothing but compassion for you if you've lost your job. But if you're discouraged because of that, then I want you to know that's become bigger than your God. And I want you to know God still supplies all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I want you to know that your God is bigger than whatever you're facing. And I want you to know that God can, in the, in the midst of this economy, in the midst of all that's going on, he can get you a better job. I got an email just the other day from someone who goes to this church. 
and they just got let go of their job. And they'd had this job for many, many, many years. And as soon as they got let go of it, another job came open in this company that was better than the job that he had. And if he was already, if he was stuck with the job that he had, he would have never got this new job. And there are only two people that were allowed to interview for this. And of course he got it. Isn't that good news? Why is that? Because God is bigger than a virus and unemployment and the economy and anything else that tries to discourage you. Next thing that you need to understand, check it out. God is greater than your haters. Aren't you glad about that? God is greater. Come on, right there right at your home uh, with, your, with your family. Uh, just look at them right in the eyes. Just say, God is greater than my haters. And if you're there all by yourself, just say it out loud. Just look at the picture of your mother or something on the mantle. Say, God is greater than my hater. Come on, say it. God is greater than your haters. I learned that a long time ago. Anytime, anytime you're leading, anytime that you're out front, you're going to have people that will always criticize what you do. I learned that a long time ago. I, I decided I was not going to let praise go to my head, and I was not going to let criticism go to my heart. Third thing that we need to understand, check it out, never measure your problem against yourself. Always measure your problem against your God. Hey, I can't handle all this by myself. Are you kidding? But my God can. And when I measure anything against my God, my God is always greater. First John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I've literally preached myself happy. My wife is amen to me real good. I preach her happy. I'm not so sure about the rest of the staff. 11th thing that we need to understand about discouragement, discouragement will cause you to stop. The discouragement will cause you to question your revelation and stop your participation. Now that's referring back to John the Baptist. You remember that story. I won't go into it now because there's so much I could share. But you remember John the Baptist? He was introducing Jesus. He was Jesus' forerunner, and, and you know, he was the one. This is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1 and verse 29. And you remember all of that, and as a result of that, he was literally placed in jail. And you remember when he was in jail, he sent his disciples in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 3, and he brought those disciples to Jesus, and they asked Jesus, hey, are you the one that we've been looking for, the Messiah, or should we look for another? And of course, you remember what Jesus said. Jesus he said, hey, go tell John that the blind see, that the, that the lame walk, and the gospel's preached unto the poor. Go tell him that. And he was quoting from a passage in Isaiah. In other words, this, and I, 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 so many times we begin to get discouraged. We begin to question our revelation. We begin to stop in our participation but this life point really is true. Check it out. Never let go of what you know because of what you don't know. I, I get it. I, I understand there's some questions that you may have right now. You know, what's going on here? There, we may not have all the answers, but don't let go of what you do know because of what you don't know. Now, that's discouragement to a T. Let's overcome this thing. 
let's go ahead and beat this thing because we can. Not, not, just, not just sometimes, but that time, this time, and every time. Let me give you some thoughts on overcoming discouragement. Number one, check it out, and I love this. Be honest with God, but end up with praise. Be honest with God, but end up with praise. Now, let's look at these verses. Let's look at Psalms 42. We're going to look at verses 9 through 11. Psalms 42, 9 through 11. I love these verses. Check it out. I will say to, to God, my rock. I love that. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. While they say to me all day long, where's your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. I love this. Because David was going through a very difficult time. He was going through betrayal. And literally, he began to pour out how he felt to God. All right, God, you know, I, I don't, my enemies, they're mocking me, and where's your God? And, and you can see there's a whole lot of that. Where's your God, Christians? You talk about such a good God, and where's your God in the middle of all of this? And he felt like his bones were breaking within him. And why? Why? And then he began to ask himself, why soul? Are you so discouraged? Why? I know this is going on out here, but why are you so discouraged? So he was talking to himself. And I want you to get a hold of that because there's times you need to do that too. Why am I so discouraged? I need to get over this discouragement and put my hope in God. Now listen to me. Hope is not wishing. That's a biblical hope. In the Greek language, it's a Greek word, elpis, and it means a confident expectation of good. So you've got to ask yourself, why are you so discouraged? I know that's how you feel, but put your confident expectation once again in God. And not in some nebulous thing, but in specific scriptures that minister to you directly into what you're going through. So listen to me. Put your hope in God. I will once again praise him. I love that. Now remember this life point because it really is true as we're talking about this. It's okay to start out with how you feel as long as you end up with what he says. Oh, my goodness, church, that's such a good truth. Listen, this, this country just worships, and Christians, they just worship their feelings. And it's okay to tell God how you feel, but I'll be honest with you, Hebrews 4.15, he already knows how you feel. And he cares about that. It matters to him. Tell him how you feel. That's what David did. David said, okay, God, this is how I feel. I feel like my bones are breaking on the inside. He's talking about he's in major discouragement. That's how I feel. But I still know your word says, but 
I'm going to put my confident expectation in God, but I'm going to praise you once again. You are the health of my countenance. In other words, God will begin to lift you up. I love that. Come on, you got you to do this. You've got, got to turn to your neighbor right there at your house and tell him you have a big butt. Come on, just tell him. I mean, come on, you know what the Bible says. In Matthew chapter 5, the Bible says turn the other cheek, and you need to do that. In other words, listen to me closely. You have a big butt, not B-U-T-T, B-U-T. This is how you feel, but this is what God's Word says. Joel chapter 3 and verse 10, let the weak say, I am strong. You may feel discouraged, but there's still a confident expectation of good for the future. Someone said, I saw this the other day, they said this, and, and they said, Yo, faith looks forward to the future. No, that's hope. Hope looks forward to the future. It's a confident expectation. Faith looks to the right now. I believe that now. I have a confident expectation of the future out here, but I believe that right now. And if I believe that right now, I can have joy right now. Second life point that you need to understand, check it out. God doesn't respond to pain. He responds to pursuit. God does not go where he's needed. He goes where he is invited. Invite him in. Remember the Lord's prayer. Come thy kingdom. Be done thy will. If his will automatically happened, Jesus was wasting his breath teaching us to pray that prayer. Jesus does not go where he's needed. He goes where he is invited. Invite him into your apartment right now. Invite him into your life. Invite him into your attitude. Invite him into your emotions. Invite him into your marriage. Invite him into everything that you do. Put your confident expectation in God. Next thing that you need to know is we're overcoming discouragement together and and I, can, I just feel that out there. And those of you watching online, I can just sense that you're becoming encouraged. I can see like a balloon is just lifting in your spirit. Okay, pastor, I'm, I, I, I can see that now. I can feel that encouragement coming. Second thing you need to know, develop determination. If you're going to overcome discouragement, you have to be determined. And I love this verse, Acts 20 and verse 24. None, this is one of my favorite. None of these things move me. Neither do I count myself, do I count my life dear unto myself, but I finish my course with joy. None of these things move me. I love that verse. These kind of things, all that's going on outside, this is what gets me, and I hate anybody that got sick. I hate that if somebody's lost their job. I hate it if somebody has died. Please don't mistake me. But these kind of things motivate me because I can only be pushed so far. I'm a very sweet, gentle, kind man. But when circumstances from the devil begin to push against me, this is when I'm at my best. This is where I come out swinging in the name of the Lord, not physically, but in the name of the Lord. I have a quality in my life that God has given me and he's given all of you as well. It's I don't have sense enough to quit. I, I don't. 
Uh, can I tell you what that is? That is the fruit of the Spirit that every one of you has if you're a born-again child of God. It's called, in the King James, long-suffering. And it sounds bad, long-suffering. I don't want to suffer long. No, no, no. It's the Greek word makrothumia. Makro means long. Thumia means burn. It means you can burn long without burning out. That you can stay in one spot and move the devil out. I love that. None of these things move me. None of them. Let me give you two thoughts on determination that will really help you. Check it out. Number one, stubbornness is simply bending your will away from God's word. Determination is bending your will toward God's word. I love it. If you're out there, and I've met some of you, and if you're just stubborn as an old mule, the good news is you can take that really bad characteristic and turn it around to determination. Stubbornness is you taking your will and just running away from God. I'm just being stubborn. But determination is taking your will and bending it towards God's word and says, in a way that says, I will not let go of what you said, no matter what comes my way. Nothing by any means moves me. Nothing. I love this. You've heard me say number two. I say it all the time. It's really true. Check it out. Tenacity is a necessity to fulfill your destiny. If you're going to fulfill what God's called you to do, you have to have a tenacity about you. And then lastly, number three is we're overcoming discouragement, and we'll close with this, but please don't tune me out. I mean, what else are you going to do? (laughs) Number three, check it out. Recognize you are not alone. You're not alone. You say, well, Pastor, I'm sitting in my apartment right now by myself. I am alone. No, 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 no. If you're a born-again child of God, you are not alone. You need to know that. God said in Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6, He will never, no, not ever leave you. He will never, no, not ever forsake you. Never. Let me give you two thoughts about this. I don't want you to feel alone. Number one, check it out. If you think your problem is special, it will be especially hard to overcome. I know that your problem may be unique. I get that. But I'm telling you right now, other people have faced this. Other pe- I know in my lifetime, I've never faced anything like this before. But I tell you what, in other lifetimes, in, in, other, with other, in other ages gone by, there's all kinds of people that have faced what we're facing. Listen to me very closely as I'm talking right now. I'm reminded in my heart of 1 Kings chapter 19. And you remember that where Elijah went into a cave? You remember that? He went into a cave. He was, he was quarantined, if you will, isolated. And you remember what happened there? 1 Kings 19 and verse 12. There was a fire and there was a loud, an, a loud fire and there was loud noise, and God said, I'm not in the fire, but I'm in the still, small voice. Listen to me. Now's a time while we're quarantined, while we're on lockdown, now's a time to learn how to be still. Listen to me. 
while you're there, don't just always have, don't be always on your phone. Just, you, you want to talk about social distance? Give a little social distance from your phone. Yeah. Every once in a while. Don't, just don't be cooped up with your phone the whole time. Don't, don't be, we want you to connect, of course. And there, we talked about that, not isolating yourself. But there's a difference between being isolated and being still with God. And it's at times when we're still, then we can get direction from God. That's where Elijah got his direction. It wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the wind. He was in the still, small voice. Psalms 46 and verse 10, be still and know that he is God. Just every once in a while, while you're there at home, just get away from everybody. Just, or if you're by yourself, just be still. Take, take the earbuds out of your ear to put, put all the, turn off the phone for just a little bit. It's just before God. Before God, just be still. Just think about how much you love him. Think about how much you have to be grateful for. And you'd be surprised. All of a sudden, here will come God's encouragement, God's direction. There are other people that have faced that. And I want you to know that. Second thing that you need to know, check it out. Others have gone through what you're going through. Others have come through what you're going through. And guess what? You're next. Now, if you think your problem is special, then it's going to be especially hard for you to overcome it. But if you understand there has been thousands, maybe 10,000s of people in the history of time that have gone through what you're going through, there are thousands and 10,000s of people that have come through what you're going through. And if you believe that with me, then you're going to be next. Why, Pastor? Because I believe that you can overcome that time. I believe you can overcome this time. And I believe that you can overcome every single time. Psalms 34 and verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Come on, church. Be encouraged today.